Hey, Augmenters. I'm Julie. And I'm Jimmy. And we believe authentic, connected relationships are the key to growing to your potential. Today, we are joined by expert mentor Winston Coffee of Midnight Golf, a youth empowering program in Detroit. I am going to tee up a three iron of takeaways from our fantastic discussion with Winston. Number one applies to connecting better with others. Winston goes over a simple action that will rapidly increase your skill of quickly connecting with other people. Number two is a fantastic example of how to unlock the potential of others and that a mentoring relationship can resonate well beyond just a mentor and mentee and ripple throughout a family with a powerful multiplier of reaction. And lastly, we are going to talk about the Augmenter's principle of resilience and how golf is the best sport to overcome fear of failure. Before Winston, here's a quick shout out to our other colleague on the HubSpot Podcast Network. Augmenters, we're so happy to have Winston Coffee on our podcast. Winston uh, and I had a chance to meet at the Mentoring Summit in January. I was so impressed with the work that you're doing at the Midnight Golf Program in Detroit, your experience, your attitude, your incredible now mad golf skills, all the things. Um, so we're really excited to talk to you today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be here. Awesome, Winston. Just to get to know you better, one thing that we have found is over time, our Augmenters guests always say that a mentor was somebody who saw something in them before they saw it in themselves. So for you, who was that and what did they see in you? Wow. I mean, I, my my parents were awesome. I have really, really good parents. Even my friends would say so. Probably, I'm probably the least interesting person for my family with my parents and my sister included. So my parents were really awesome. But then I think what they did for me was they just continued to try to put me in spaces where if they weren't knowledgeable. They tried to get me in spaces where people were, you know, if they, things they didn't know or didn't understand. They tried to put me in those environments or schools or you know, sports or activities, things to be able to get the information that maybe they didn't have or didn't know um, to make sure that and my sister and I, especially, we were able to get those things. So, I mean, coaches, the teachers that I had, um, probably disappointment. We were talk, kind of jokingly talking about that prior to, but, you know, some disappointments or things that maybe didn't go ideal kind of showed me a lot. About my English teacher in seventh grade, Miss Lavelle, uh, I'll never forget that I turned an assignment in late for her and I got a I think I got a, like a C plus or a B minus on it. And she was like, I'm just really disappointed in you because you could have got a hundred percent on this. Had you really turned it in on time? Had you done the things you're supposed to do and you're supposed to do them? And that stuck with me, you know, in my academic career later on, thinking about following through and executing and doing those things. And it wasn't, she didn't chastise me, you know, whatever, but she did, she made it clear her disappointment. And she made it clear that she thought I had, you know, more ability than what I was showing. Um, and it made me think about things differently going forward. So, and I actually got to thank her. I was working at the YMCA years later when I graduated from from college uh, for a while. And she, uh, her son was at the Y taking swim lessons, and I was able to thank her for that. And she really appreciated, um, you know, that I remember that and acknowledged her in that way. So that's amazing. I love it that you could like bring it back full circle when you know, especially when you're then with the kid of your teacher, and you know, it, it starts to build that community. 
Yeah. That's awesome. That's that's beautiful. We hear so much about like, obviously the impact parents have, but I love hearing about that, like bringing you into spaces that you may be uncomfortable or just getting a chance to like really learn new things and pushing you outside your comfort zone, which I think as parents, we're all parents, we're, we're parents kind of want to, you know, you want to get them in that discomfort, but at the same time, you're afraid of traumatizing them too. So it's like, it's a good balance. It's a good right. balance, but yeah. So let's tell us a little bit more about the midnight golf program. Um, when you shared a little bit more about it with me at the mentoring conference, I was so impressed. So tell us more. Yeah, sure. So we've been around since uh, 2001 um, was the first official class of midnight golf. And we are a youth development program that uses golf to teach the students other life skills and other things. So um, most of the young people that we get in the program have never played golf before, don't know little about the game, don't have a lot of background with it. Um, so it's one of the first new things that they learn uh, is about the game of golf. And they learned it from PGA professionals. And then we teach them all the other things that go along with golf, the game of golf. So soft skills, things that you might learn if you were fortunate enough to grow up in a country club like environment. So uh, how to tie ties, how to shake hands, 20 second elevator pitches, uh, money management, dining etiquette, all these all these other things that kind of go along with the game itself and the access that it can bring and give them those tools. We think that they can be beneficial as they transition on to their next stage. We work with all high school seniors um, from out Southeast Michigan. uh, And then the senior year is kind of the beginning of our relationship with them. And we work with them throughout their matriculation of senior year on to college and internships, professional endeavors, et cetera, where we are. uh, The focus is, uh, senior year through college. But then, of course, we do a relationship and rapport and you're going to weddings and baby showers. And, you know, it goes far beyond typically just the the college uh, aspect of their of their journey. Um, we have them for twice a week, every week during their senior year um, for what it culminates about 30 weeks of the program. Um, they get a life skill every time they come. They learn golf every time they come. We feed them a full course meal every time that they come to programming. And then we're able to also take them on a week long uh, road trip for success is what we call it, where they're now they get a chance to put some of these things into practice. So they've learned, learned these skills, including golf throughout this time. And then we take them on a week long journey where you get a chance to maybe you know use some, some of those skills. So you learn about dining etiquette. You learn about a 20 second elevator pitch. You're in front of the president of Tennessee State University. How do you engage them? How, maybe you're interested in going to school there. How do you sell yourself and pitch yourself an opportunity to be able to maybe get some more money or have an opportunity to go there, those type of things. And really just exposure to expose them. Some of them have never left the state of Michigan or Southeast Michigan or Metro Detroit, et cetera. Um, so exposing them to some doing different things, learning about travel and how to travel and how to pack a suitcase and just little things, little soft skills that we think are going to be beneficial for them as they transition on. Um, and then, of course, like I said, we stay with them throughout uh, their college journey is, is the mandate. Um, but typically it goes far beyond uh, that pe- that part of it. Okay, so I got two dumb questions. First, there's no such thing, but go ahead. Oh, or at least one of them you You will, haven't actually yeah, spent a lot of time with me. <laughs> so, so first, it always seems very difficult to pack the golf bag. So I assume on this trip because they're learning soft skills and golf skills skills each time they come in. You know, is there a golf game that's occurring and they're all bringing one club or their clubs with them? Like they bring they're bringing a full they get a brand, so the other thing, they get a brand new set of clubs being in the Midnight Golf program. Oh wow. So Get, they will bring, bring in their club. We'll be playing two premier golf courses uh, while we're on the road trip. So they will definitely be playing in 
using the things that they've learned uh, in real time. The bags are pretty well self-packed. Like I said, we're, our thing for them is usually like, hey, make sure you open your clubs up before we leave and you take the plastic off of each club. Like, so we're not doing that at the golf course and there's 200 bags of and plastic <laughs> everywhere. Um, so that's usually like the focus for us is that. Isn't so, that the hustle though? Like you show up and you're like, oh, look, I don't know how to use these. I'll take the plastic <laughs> off. And you're like, yeah. so what? Like, like 20 bucks a hole? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> No, we're you know th- that that comes later. The hustle part of the game comes later for them. Uh, right. You know this. We're now we're just trying to get them uh, acclimated and, and comfortable in that space. So um, I hear that's a big you know, deal. You know, but the, but the bags are well packed. They get golf balls. They get tees and those things that they need. You know, for many of them, like I said, being their first time really on a course. Like we do, we take them to the driving range during the year and we do an indoor version of golf where they're learning the the skills and how to hold clubs and swing and those things. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them, this will be their first for a on a golf course especially the ones that we're playing which are some really nice uh courses so um it's again part of the new and different experience for them on the road trip so before we got started chatting uh we were just chatting at winston you were actually new to playing golf which is uh wild who mentored you on your golf game how did that work so yeah mentorship would be a nice word i would say that miss renee peer pressured me and chastised me into taking advantage (laughs) of playing golf um, which is just, if you know her, that's just, that's just how Miss Renee rolls is what she does. Um, but you know, she kind of just some subtle reminders of you're a mentor and you're not playing golf and we're talking to them about the value of golf. And we have these PGA pros to teach you lessons and you're not taking advantage of these things. And, um, and then, like I said, the pandemic was a, was also a huge catalyst because there's only so many things you could do outside, um, when we were, you know, navigating that space. And so I was like, well, you know, I could spend a Wednesday and or, and or Saturday afternoons going to the range and getting some lessons and being outside and being, you know, amongst elements, getting out of my room and getting out of the house and those things. So um, that's kind of how it began for me in, in 2020. And then now I'm, you know, I'm, you know, caught the bug and, you know, we're here now and, uh, you know, I actually look forward to, to playing golf and, you know, the game has ways like we we're talking to prior of humbling you and learning about yourself and, and, you know, all those other things that the young people also learn being a part of our program. So, uh, of course, like sports is a way to build community. It's a way to build self-worth. And, you know, golf is one of many sports. How did golf become, uh, in your eyes, not just like the central uh, sport for Midnight Golf, but as we've heard a lot on the Augmenter show of folks using golf to develop relationships, especially to keep relationships consistent over time? Because when you're four hours on a golf course, you know, that can make you feel you know, very quickly, you know, have a greater understanding of somebody else. Uh, I'm just kind of curious how you do that. And I know like it's, it's very different as a high school senior thinking about four hours in one place, as opposed to maybe somebody who's more used to, you know, sitting at a desk for eight hours a day. Suddenly when you're freed up, it's just a little different. I'm, I'm, I'm curious how that all came about. Yeah. So, so Midnight Golf as a whole, well, the genesis of that was Miss Renee's son who graduated high school in 2000 he grew up in Metro Detroit playing golf. And there was very few people that looked like him that were playing golf in Metro mm-hmm. Detroit at that time. So he would often get frustrated, you know, with that. And he talked to her all the time. Why did you make me play this sport? And why am I doing this? And none of my friends are doing it. And it's super annoying. You know, all these things that a teenager would, would say. And then when he was graduating college, he actually got a golf scholarship to Loyola, Chicago um, to oh. play golf. And, um, you know, and he he thanked his mom and he was like, thank you so much for exposed me to this game because, you know, in retrospect, I got to travel to Florida and, 
you know, the Carolinas and all these different places that I wouldn't have been able to see normally as a result of this game. And it helped me be able to go to college and be able to pay for, you know, my opportunities to be able to do that. And so he he made his mom promise, he made Ms. Renee promise that she would do something. I don't know what it is. You're going to have to do something to find a way to expose other young people the way that I was exposed to the game. Um, and what it was, it's done so much for me that we have to find a way to do it in, for others. Miss Renee's background was in social work for the state of Michigan at the time. Um, so she had a lot of connections to young people and housing developments in the area. And so the, the first year of students, um, she was at a housing, she went to housing projects throughout Detroit. And that's how she got her first 18 students. The first year of midnight golf was just going to the housing projects and telling them that she had free food at seven o'clock, some pizza. And when they got there, oh, yeah, you also have to get a golf lesson you know, why you're here and you're going to learn something and, you know, kind of get this new skill added. So it just, it was by nature of uh, Miss Renee and her son, Jason, who uh, knew, found the value of golf and him learning the game itself that created the value of midnight golf. And then what we, you know, for our young people, what's been discovered over time is just the access that it creates when you can play the game. Like what's all the things you're, you know, that you mentioned as far as the time you spend on the course, um, typically, who's out there? Who has who has access to a country club and clubs to be able to play a sport like golf, and what mm-hmm. that means for young people? We've had countless young people who, um, you know, the president of their university, there may be a golf outing at the school they go to, and they're looking for students to play. Oh, I got a set of clubs. I'm ready to go. You can take advantage of that, or an internship where maybe the CEO or your manager or a boss is like, "Hey, we're going on Tuesday," and you're like, "I'm sign me up because I can play and I'm ready to go. I know how to keep the game going. I know the rules and." Um, you know, for us, the reality is we're probably not going to have the next Tiger Woods come out of Midnight Golf. That's not really the focus. It'd be awesome if we do. And we've had two folks who've gone on to be pros. But, um, oh. you know, out of thousands of young people, the focus is more using golf as a tool because we know it is that is an access sport. It is a tool for uh, young people to be able to get and gain opportunities that maybe they wouldn't otherwise have had if not knowing how to play the game and keep the game going. Um, I think most people when they get into Midnight Golf don't really understand the pull there. Um, or the carrot. And like I said, it's it's new for most of them, the game itself. But, um, you know, once they learn it, once they understand in the ways we're trying to educate them to use it as a tool, then they see how it kind of falls in line with all of the other things that they're learning while they're in midnight golf and the benefits of, of having that in your toolbox, so to speak. I know a lot of people talk about golf as like, you know, it's the most mental game out there because like you really are playing against yourself. Uh, as a put, even though, you know, I do love the joke, you know, that the, the course is going to win today. Uh, you know, like the, the course is really fighting back. Uh, yeah. but it is such a mental game and you're, you're in your head quite a bit. Is that why you all start with senior year of high school, which is later than a lot of youth mentoring programs? Is that because it's just, it's like hard to teach acknowledging and overcoming fear of failure, which is a theme that comes up a lot? on the podcast. Like I'm kind of curious how like the start, the start age and fear of failure may come together with golf. That I think that, I think that part of it, the, the learning to, to kind of navigate the fear, it probably came later uh, to be honest, the initial, mm. you know, way that it was it kind of came to life was somebody told Miss Renee that it couldn't be done. They told <laughs> they were talking about, and that's and again, yeah. yeah, you know, you have to know Miss Renee. It's like, oh, okay, so you're saying that's impossible. So, okay, well, now that's that's how it's going to have to go. But it was pretty much. I immediately, I immediately liked her. When I oh, met her. <laughs> and that's yeah, that's that's that's, that's Miss Renee as well. You know, it was it was more of when she had this idea and she was talking about trying to engage young people around golf. I'm like, okay, well, you got to start them with. So we're talking about like sixth grade or fifth grade. And she's like, well, no, I'm thinking maybe a little bit older than that. 
And like, well, if you're talking about high school students, then it's pretty much a wash. You can't, you know, if, if you haven't reached them before they get to high school age, you're not going to be able to reach them. You're not going to have any impact. There's no need in, you know, really starting a program with that age. And then when, from Miss Renee's perspective, it went even further to say, um, well, you know, senior year is when so much transition is happening. I mean, this is literally the mm -hmm. last time before you are, you know, technically and legally considered an adult. So we, this is it. Like we have to get, you need to be in order. You got to have things aligned at this point. And there also creates a, an, an innate sense of urgency in them because they understand that. And even sometimes it may not be until second semester of senior year where they start to really understand, Hey, this is, this is it. In a minute, I'm going to be completely out here in some instances and I'm, it's just me and against everybody else. And so I'm going to have to get some things aligned and help myself, you know, get information and, and tools and things I need in order to be successful in the long run. Because after this, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not leaning on mom and dad as much anymore or at all in some instances. So I'm going to have to be ready to do this. So, and then when she told them the idea of senior year, they're like, well, you, you're just you're dreaming. You're talking about something that does that can't happen where you think you're going to be able to engage young people in the midst of senior year and have success in doing so. So it was kind of like I'm going to prove you wrong initially. And mm -hmm. then to your point, I think other things that came along as the program developed were like it is a little bit easier because there's a sense of urgency that's inerrant and, you know, innate there. And it does become, you know, you're kind of a little have a little better understanding of how to navigate your fears or what that looks like. Or maybe you had to overcome some things prior already. So, you know, you know, an idea of what you may have to face and how you can navigate those things and willing to listen to somebody who can give you some information on that, as opposed to when you are a little bit younger. And even for us, I think my first couple of years in midnight golf, we still had a few juniors sprinkled in, maybe five, a handful or so. But even then we started to realize that again, they don't have that same sense of urgency. They're like, I have a whole nother year for some of the scholarships and colleges and thinking about those things. You know, I'm not as, as a, uh, you know, worried or concerned about those things. So um, they didn't have the same level of urgency. And we kind of, that part of it fizzled out as far as having um, folks who were not seniors be involved or engaged with the program. I think that's so, I have, a, I have a senior, I have a high school senior. So I totally relate to that moment of like, oh, wait, 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 wait. This is like, this is the end. Like now I got to like figure it out. It's a great time. But something that really struck me is Winston, you were talking about kind of your early experience of being in, you know, your parents kind of encouraging you to be in uncomfortable situations. You know, if maybe some of these students coming in, like you said, this is like new to them. There, there's also posturing, of course, that happens around this time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're well familiar with. So yeah. looking silly or doing things that they don't necessarily know how to do. Like, how do you help them overcome that sort of, like, I can't do this, or this is like too much for me. What kind of, because I also think in, even in professional mentoring, right? It's like, no, you should really try this or you should go for this. It's like, no, no, I can't do it. How do you help them kind of bridge from absolutely cannot do this to like, I'm willing to try? Sure. I mean, I think golf is a huge common denominator for them because, like I said, the majority of 95 percent, 96 percent of them that we get know nothing about the game. And I think peer mentorship wow. and peer relation goes a long way, because if you see someone who's from where you're from, who and maybe and maybe they're not you guys are maybe you guys are different. Maybe they're a high achieving student and you're not as high achieving, but they're kind of able to figure it out. And you're like, well, they're you know, they they were able to kind of get some handle on this or understand it. So why maybe I can also, you know, have that same level of understanding or stretch myself a little bit to that. Um, and I think there is a moment of like of growth and do I really belong here at, at times that can happen in a program like ours. But I do I do think we lean heavily on a peer mentorship piece indirectly of just those folks who are like you from where you're from. Um, and everybody's kind of trying to figure this out together, you know, and sometimes those folks who 
kind of stand out as leaders. They may lean in on somebody who's having a hard time, who's kind of like, I don't know if I want to still be here. And and then you then you build a relationship, then you have a friendship. And then you're like, well, I kind of want to go because I want to see, you know, if Kimberly, Kimberly's going to be there today. You know what I mean? It may not even be for the, the purpose that we wanted or think it should be, but then that's enough. Because if you keep coming enough and you really, and you start to believe or buy in a little bit, and then, you know, you see Kimberly's doing it and she's like, well, why aren't you trying? Well, come on over here and do it with me. Those type of things, that kind of starts to organically happen amongst them so that you kind of avoid some of that of not really feeling like I can do this or wanting to follow through. And then sometimes we do have that still too. I mean, we, you know, there's natural attrition that happens in our program. We accept about 250 students a, a year and we probably on average graduate maybe 215 to 220 of those just from natural attrition of folks. Maybe it's more than I thought I signed up for. I don't know if I can do it or, you know, what life happens, all the things that occur in that space. So it's, I think that's a reality, but I think we, we lean on and, and are fortunate to have, you know, spaces where, like I said, that the peer relationships play a role in that as well. That's amazing that the self-leveling approach of like nobody comes in is just like, oh yeah, I'm driving the ball 200 yards, like off the tee right away that everybody wants to help each other. Are there certain activities that you found or certain even like, like framing of different statements or like skill, like kind of learning environments to help the students be like, oh, you know what? We are on the same level. You know, I'm happy to like succeed or fail next to this person because, you know, I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So so what a day of midnight golf typically looks like is when they arrive, we greet them. We greet all the students that come in and then we have our life skill presentation for the day. So whatever it's on, if it's on money management, excuse me, dining etiquette, whatever it is. We'll have that discussion and then we'll break and have dinner and then we split them up into two different groups. So half of the group will go to play golf and the other half will go to what we affectionately call tea time. And so in tea time is a deep dive. And, and that's with an A, tea time. <laughs> no, tea time like tea off. Two, two E's. Oh, like tea okay, tea. all right. right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought yeah. we were staying with the soft skills and tea time. My no, bad. no, no. You got it. I mean, it, <laughs> it could kind of, it could go either way, but uh, but it's but it's it's a play on words with uh, with tea time for golf. And so the the deep dive discussion is a student led discussion. So we talked about money management and then we get the you know a group of you know 10 or 15 of them in a classroom and it's so why are we talking about money management? Why is that important or significant? What has been your experience with money? What's your family? So to your point to kind of be like where where is everybody? Cuz you may think someone comes from a more affluent or better situation and then you start having conversations and the small group realize we're a little bit more similar than I thought. You know, you may have had a, a couple opportunities that benefited you a little better than me or maybe a little better academic understanding in some aspects. But in reality, you live around the corner from where I'm from and your situation is not drastically different than mine. So it kind of gives you a level of like, OK, well, maybe I do have some some skin here. I belong here um, and I'm not alone in this space. So, so really getting into the why and having some of the folks sharing stuff that has nothing to do with golf makes it easier for them to want to you know, succeed or fail together when they're actually teeing off. Absolutely. I think that's such a great question. And that is so relatable to all kinds of mentoring is having this sort of peer mentoring experience where you're kind of learning something new, but then you're really getting together and kind of deep diving on it. Is there, are there any other activities you use or any other, like to Jimmy's point, any other kind of, you know, phrases or words that you like continually repeat to remind them you I mean, know, we, why they're there and what they're learning? Yeah, no, I mean, consistently we remind them that, you know, there was thousands of applicants that wanted those 250 spots. I mean, every year we get, Typically, on average, year we get twelve to fifteen hundred applications for two hundred and fifty spots. So they had to go through an interview process to be a part of the program, you know. And so, you know, there's a lot of people that wanted those those spaces, and there's only so many who get them. So we do constantly hinge on that. We remind them 
that, you know, that you interview for this opportunity and it is a unique opportunity. And, you know, there's things that are expectations of folks that have come before you that have created that made it attractive for you to be a part or be interested in midnight golf. All those things are a part of why you're here. So remembering and reinforcing that idea and helping them understand that we we hinge a lot on them about sitting in the front of the classroom, just little things like that to kind of separate themselves. And so, again, when they get to college and, you know, oh, that's a midnight golf, they're sitting up front. They got a notebook. They've got a pen. They're asking questions. They're engaged. You're, there's something different about, you know, like you compared to some of your peers, the way that you move and the way that you, you know, go about this process is noticeable and just trying to help them understand and remember those things. I think one of the other huge things is the, is the road trip. You know, the road trip, like I said, is again, an opportunity for application, you know? So we've talked about these things. Now we're putting them into practice for a whole week, you know, and a lot of them, like I said, getting away from Michigan, getting outside of what they know, mm-hmm. what they're comfortable with in some new and different spaces um, kind of forces or stretches them in different ways as well. So that is a part of, you know, application and getting them used to that and kind of creating muscle memory, so to speak, of like what they're supposed to be doing in certain circumstances and situations, which, and again, you're doing that with your peers. You're doing that right with everybody else who's kind of in similar circumstance and understanding of as you, uh, as you go about that. So why is it that golf provides such access and it can really open doors compared to you know other sports? Like this might also be kind of like a basic question. Cause obviously a lot has to do with just land, money, you know, power behind golf. But uh, I, I'd be curious to hear specifically how the students internalize that as well, about how they see golf opening doors. Oh, I mean, I, I think they get it relatively quickly. I mean, just we try to articulate to them what that looks like. I mean, go look up how, how what a, a bag of golf clubs, you know, costs or to, to get golf balls or have time at the course or go to the driving range on your own. Those type of things give you a quick scope of what that looks like you know what i mean to be able to have access to this sport and then again we talk to them about who's going to be there you know typically you know ceos and executives and you know celebrities or whatever you know all these different folks that you may not normally have access to this is a common denominator you have now you could potentially have access to those people you may not otherwise have access to and then for us it's reinforcing okay when you get there do you know what to say do you have the tools are you comfortable to be able to approach those unique and different situations now that you have access to them. And I think opportunity and access are also words that are thrown around at midnight golf a lot. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's what it is. You know, you, you have access that most young people from where you're from, from Southeast Michigan, Metro Detroit, don't have access to what you all have access to right now. So this is what that looks like. And how do we take full advantage of that? How are we prepared to engage and access and take advantage of all of those things? Because in golf, people, you know, you have the opportunity to talk, but like, I think of like another sport that might have like, I'd say similar thoughts about, you know, the folks who normally play it or at a certain class, I'd say is like hockey, because you still need a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot of tools. You need like, maybe not as much land. Polo? <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you think Michigan, it's already cold up there, you know, you get the ice a little easier to get to, but yeah. you know, what... Is there really something about golf and the ability where you're not hitting each other and out of breath that, you know, it's still a sport, you're doing something active, so you're getting the you know, juices are flowing? Like, like, just from your time being on the course and seeing how it's affecting students and just people, like, what what is what really draws people to golf and building relationships as opposed to, you, you know, you alluded, to it already, you alluded to it already. You know, you're spending four hours, roughly, three, four hours on a course, and there's a lot of time to talk in between. If you're playing in a foursome, 
you know, you have time to talk. There's time to have conversation. And then don't, you know, when you get to halfway, if you're playing 18 holes and you finish the first nine and you're going to grab a sandwich and you're sitting, you know, sitting down, having conversation in between those things, that is, that's a huge part of it. And I think really for our young people, it's a lot of them, I think over time, especially I say from when I started as a mentor, even to now is just even being comfortable talking to adults, being comfortable talking to people older than them. So you're super comfortable with your peers and you learn to even engage better in that way. But even just feeling comfortable having a conversation with someone who's, you know, 20 or 30 years older than you, you know, and you don't feel weird about it, you know, that you, you're comfortable having a dialogue. You can find some middle ground, even if it's just golf, you know, to be able to have conversation with them about that. But the hope is that you also learn about a host of other things that you can also engage with them on. And again, that kind of stands out because quickly they're going to say, you know, this you know, 50 year old executive or whatever is going to be like, well, this 18 year old young lady has no problem talking to me, you know, comfortable coming up to me and talking about who she is and what she wants to do. And automatically that, you know, that raises eyebrows and they're like, well, where did you come from? And what are you doing here? Or this, you know, how did, how did this come about that you're in this position to do this? Cause my 18 year old niece doesn't even talk to me as much as you're talking, you know what I mean? So all these, <laughs> these things that, you know, again, that kind of allow you to stand out in the positive ways that help create access, you know? And I think that's a huge part of it is just that, Golf allows you a lot of time to be able to talk when you're on the car, when you're on the course, in between hits and, you know, just enjoying scenery and talking about all the things around you. I think it just creates that that opportunity uniquely to be able to have a lot of dialogue that you can't have if you're on the ice, you know, trying to knock somebody's teeth out. That's just, <laughs> that's not, it's not quite the same, you know. Yeah. It starts get, getting a little higher pitch, you know, after you yeah. get hit in the chest. Yeah. 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 But Winston, this is huge. We actually just had uh, Sam Donner on a couple episodes ago, and he has a YouTube series about. He's a he's a Gen Z guy. He has a YouTube series, How to Make Friends, okay. um, and his mission is actually to help Gen Z be able to talk to each other and to others. So no matter what demographic you're talking about, I think there is sort of this crisis of being able to communicate with each other and definitely communicate with adults. Yeah, it's a big deal. Even for their peers, like we jokingly, there's, we have two courts on a Monday, Wednesday group, particularly myself and and Summer Woods was one of the lead on our, our cohort of Monday and Wednesday. We purposely are like, you cannot sit next to somebody, you know, when you come to midnight golf, like we are, we will walk around the room when, when it starts, like, you know, move from next to them. You need to go to the other side of the room, you know, because inevitably, because and what this this coming week we're about to go on the road trip, it's my favorite because they're always like, they sit next to somebody on the bus who they've never engaged with. Like, oh my God, I wish I had started talking to, you know, this person earlier. They're so cool. We have so much in common. And, you, but you, you know, they're too busy because we naturally we find our clusters of people, you know, mm-hmm. maybe from the same school or from the same city or whatever it is, you know, that folks do. And then you miss you, you miss out on those other relationships. And some of it, I think, is just naturally being nervous and, you know, and unsure or what have you, fear of rejection, whatever, whatever it is, and engaging with people. Um, but I feel like it's become more work as in the past six or seven years that I've been a mentor, like past 11 with helping them understand it. I think when I initially started, it wasn't as hard to get them to engage with people maybe they didn't normally talk to, but it's become increasingly more difficult to get them to do that. So, yeah. And it's a huge differentiator when you can, like when you really can have a good conversation with, 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 of course, your peers, but also with adults, you know, that's going to be a huge benefit for them um, in the workplace. I would love, Winston, if you don't mind, do you have like a, a great story about one of your students and like kind of how they've grown? I mean, I'm sure you have a million of them, but yeah, I mean, is there I one start. that comes to mind? Yeah, well, there's so one of my favorite ones, there was a young lady we had in 20, 2013 um, who was a part of Midnight Golf. She went to a, a Detroit public high school, not one of the 
high-end performing high schools by any stretch of the imagination, which folks think we often, we stack the deck and we only get like, oh, you guys only select the best students. And like, if you guys said it had any idea what goes into the selection process, it's far from, um, from just doing that. But um, young lady, she went through the process. You know, we, when we do the tea times that I was mentioning before, we often will start with an icebreaker to get them to kind of open up and start conversation. And one of them will often be, you know, Hey, give us three schools you're interested in going to, you know, when you leave Menai Golf, the church, college you're thinking about going to. And this young lady, she said she used to make up three different schools every time. Cause she's like, I'm not, I'm not really interested in going to college. You guys keep talking about this college stuff. I'm just like, whatever it takes to keep the conversation. I know you're going to hinge on it. So I have to answer. So she's like, I would just make up different schools every time. Um, you know, we're going throughout the year and, you know, she's starting to kind of open up and get warmer and, and kind of soften to the ideas of things we're teaching. And then we went on the road trip that year um, and we visited a small little um, historically black college university in Little Rock, Arkansas, called Philander Smith. And she said the instant that she walked on campus, she was like, I could see myself here. Like she's like, I had never thought about college. Nobody in my family had been to college before. First generation, you know, potentially student. And she was like, I was just walking around, meeting the people talking to the faculty, the the president had stopped by and say hello to us while we were on tour. And she was like, I could, she was like, for the first time, she was like, you know what, this is, college is plausible. I can see myself here. I think I can do this. And when we got back, she completely like did a 180 and was like, what do I need to do? Tell me what to do. Uh, whatever you tell me to sign up for, if I need to, you know, FAFSA, fill out these scholarships, whatever I'm supposed to do, I will do that. Um, she did all those things. She ended up going to school down there. Um, we had to send her on a bus. Um, down to Arkansas by herself with her with her things. Um, she did the summer program, ended up doing exceptionally well, had some interning um, with the New York City um, clerk's office. Um, she actually shadowed a judge for a month when she was down there for the summer. Um, she had another internship in D.C., uh, another one in Boston when she was an undergrad. She ended up graduating at the top of her class at Philander Smith. She beat out students from Harvard and U of M and uh, Columbia and all these other selective schools um, when she was an undergrad and, and did just really well. And then, but the the part to me that just, that is like the icing is she was a first generation student. She has nieces and nephews that just started high school, I believe. And their whole mindset is, well, college is a thing we do now. Auntie Tiffany went to, you know, college. She did well. That's what we do. So changing the trajectory of her family by some choices that she made when she was a part of the Midnight Golf Program you know, to me is a story that just resonates to this day uh, about those. And of course she's doing, you know, awesome now and doing well professionally, uh, but just that, that tra- to have watched her from not really college material to graduating top of your class, to changing the trajectory of your family's experience and what the expectations are is, is probably one of my, one of my favorites. That's amazing. I, I have goosebumps and, and uh, you know, the, the statement of it's just a thing our family does now. You know, that's all from, you know, walking around a campus just once. Like, what an amazing path. Yes. And thinking about how you as a mentee uh, being mentored impacts people beyond, you you would guess, right? You kind of think it's like just about you learning a new skill. But as you change and you evolve, all the people around you start to change and evolve. Whether You tell people about, the, especially for me, when I tell people about the work that I do, like, oh my God, that's so admirable, like what you do. And I'm like, if you guys had any idea how, what you get in return, you know, from Mm -hmm. from this work, and and it forces you to analyze yourself. You know, when you're mentoring people and you're talking about, you should be doing these things. You're like, wait a minute. 
Am I am I doing those things? Have I lo- have done those things for myself? Am I taking into account these things that I should be doing personally before I'm telling someone else or giving you know thought to what they should be doing? I have to also analyze myself and make sure that I'm still progressing, moving forward, and doing the things that I need to do. So it just it forces self evaluation, and you gain so much just as, as much as they gain. I tell the young people all the time, you know, they'll, when they thank me, I'm like, well, I should also be thanking you because this is you know it's 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 hard work, and it also forces you to to analyze yourself. I feel like we just entered Winston's tea time right now. You know? <laughs> I do have my tea. I'm ready to share. <laughs> I, I, I got work to do. Like, I got to step it up. I, I'm curious. Are is uh, is Auntie Tiffany still in touch with her mentor uh, that helped her through the program? Yes. So, so one of one of her the, her kind of adopted father, I would say. Uh, Mr. and Mr. Ambrose, who's actually the director of missions at Michigan State University, they mm-hmm. they talk frequently, um, and and I still talk to Tiffany probably a couple times, at least a couple times a year um, as well um, in her professional space. So amazing, I love it. You've given this is like my brain is on fire, and I would agree definitely with the goosebumps. That's incredible. That is incredible. Yeah. So Winston, we always do uh, this very short segment. It's going to be four different words I want to throw at you, and whatever comes to mind first. Just kind of uh, respond. So okay. rapid fire. When I say the word mentor, what do you think of? Thoughtfulness, love. Ooh, all right. How about mentee? Sponge. Bright. Bright sponge. All right. How about sponsor? Imperative. <laughs> Lifeblood. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. And lastly, coach? Mentor. I mean, I think those are those are some things that are very interchangeable. I gotcha. So if you were thinking, and this is a, a longer kind of question, but if you got to choose what mentoring relationships or how people were prepared to enter mentoring relationships in 2050, how would those initial conversations go if we could like evolve this relationship, you know, for the next generation? I think one of the the things that cannot be overstated in the space and idea of mentorship is is relationship. I think that there's no substitute for genuine relationship and young people can vet you out extremely fast, whether or not you're genuine and you're there for the right reasons mm-hmm. or intentions. If you're not, it is, it doesn't, it's a, you have a hard time, a hard way to go. Um, I think that goes pro- professionally and even community-based organizations like our like ours, you know, you have to be in the idea of mentorship for the right reasons. And if you're not, and there's a question about that, it can be extremely difficult. I think that we're able to enjoy some of the outcomes that we're able to as a result of relationship, as a result of being genuine and being intentional. Because um, young people don't, you know, I think this is my Angelou quote, that they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So, mm-hmm. you know, everything else is kind of, up. you may have a wealth of knowledge to share um, and help someone who's coming up, coming along behind you. But if it's not genuine and it's not, you know, you don't really you have a, a genuine or realistic uh, interaction between people, um, then I, I think it's difficult to be able to enjoy an outcome that's going to be beneficial and them to really excel if they don't feel like, you know, it matters to you. I love it. Now I have a very selfish question because uh, I hit a lot of really crappy shots on the golf course. Cause I only play like once a year 
I'm, I'm a much better four caddy uh, than I am actually. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the phrases or lines that mentors or peers give to folks when they do take a bad shot and need to kind of like reset? Like, is there something, you know, I mean, like, seriously, like, is, is there something that like actually seems to work better than others? Because this is like, you know, like negative self-talk is like so real. Oh, you're absolutely um, right. And just to break out of it, you know, so I, I'm looking for some help for my next, you know, personal <laughs> time here. Yeah, I, this, know, is actual, this is actual live mentoring happening right here <laughs> on Augmenters bring it. in real time. I don't, I don't, know that, I don't think that there's like there's, you know, specific phrases that we use across the board. I think it's different for different people. The main thing for us, to your point, you know, you're talking about trying mm-hmm. to to move away from negative talk, you know, about, you know, especially because they're new. This is all. They're new to the game, the vast majority of the students that we're getting. So we're just trying to stay away from them being discouraged. You should be having fun. You should be open to and wanting to get better. So you know what? That's next shot. You know, next shot is always an, an easy go-to. Don't worry about this one. And that go, I think that's translates to most sports. And you have to have a short memory either way. If you did something good sure or did shoot. something bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to kind of be able to go to the next thing. And that's definitely in golf. We gotta go, you know, you gotta go to the next wherever the ball is, from wherever you hit it or Maybe you didn't hit it or whatever it is you have to be able to get to the next hit and the next place that we're going. So thinking about it, you know, not where you're not dwelling too too much on on a bad hit. It's just like, hey, it's we got to get it to the next ball. Keep your head up. You know what I mean? Just being positive about that. You're not alone. Everybody kind of has to go through this. Everybody's got to navigate. You know, the course can be brutal. It's you know, it's not just you. All all of these <laughs> elements. You know what I mean? That kind of go into that so that they're not. You don't want, like you said, you don't want them to get down. Like this is supposed to be a fun and, and, and good experience. So, and you want to keep learning. You want to keep getting better or trying to get better. So, encouraging them to the point where they don't get too negative or too down to where they want to, you know, I, I'm not going to do go after midnight golf. I'm done with golf. That's you know not the hope that anybody is feels in a space like that that you're so discouraged in that way. And I never thought of it that way with golf, where like when you miss a shot, you literally are on a journey or a path because you need to walk yourself over to that ball and then hit it again from where it lands. As opposed to like basketball, you might brick it and it goes out of bounds, but somebody else might be inbounding it. You're not taking ownership of that entire, yes. you know, journey through the course. Absolutely. And that's in, yeah, that's, uh, I never thought about that as being kind of like unique to the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Next shot. I love that. <laughs> uh, in so many ways, it's <laughs> so necessary. Yeah. Everything. Oh my gosh, Winston, this has been amazing. Uh, I love hearing your stories. And I think there's so many good nuggets. First of all, just like, yes, incredible, incredible work that you're doing. I wish you a lot of luck next week. Thank you. Thinking of my 18-year-old and imagining 200 and some plus 18-year-olds, you are a very brave man. Um, But sharing your stories, and I think there's a lot that we can take away. I mean, definitely the peer mentoring, there's so many elements of that. And then, you know, just kind of the way that you're structuring the program to be able to bring these different skills in is just incredible. And I'm so glad that we got to spend time with you today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Greatly appreciate it. It's been awesome. Jimmy, what fun with Winston. I have to learn how to play golf. Yeah. You, you, you'd have a lot of torque. The height helps. Gravity. The height helps. A big wingspan. I've often been told I have that. Is that helpful? Usually more for basketball. But yeah, second jump ability and golf could go hand in hand. I mean, I actually think when we're talking about connecting with others, 
I am jealous of people who have time, you know, who get that time to spend and really get to know more about each other. Some of our previous guests sticking out, uh, Deanne Brown, huge golfer, really grew her career through that. Mm -hmm. Chef Brother Luck went from the kitchen to the course uh, to find people who were making moves and who had access and accessibility. So I think I'm, I, yeah, I think having that time with people, really getting to know them sounds pretty appealing. There, there is something about being, I don't want to say stuck, which is like what happens when you go fishing because then you're on a boat and it's a little harder to get away. But when you're in that foursome or twosome rolling around a golf course, even just nine holes, it's at least an hour and a half. And there's a lot of random interactions that are kind of forced upon you with immediate things to talk about. Like, oh, you almost hit that bird and then you have things to discuss or, well, the end great shot. And then just like those kind of small accolades or encouragements back and forth can go a long way. Something that I, I think continues to be underlooked yet is so important to development is that you know, just the ability to exist, not the skill of playing golf and hitting a golf ball, but the comfort of being around people who are hitting golf balls. And from my perspective, as somebody who was never taught how to play golf, but who saw a job listing in the paper and became a caddy, I watched a lot of people and I'm much more comfortable holding somebody's bag or riding on the back of a golf cart than I am actually in a foursome with random people because I don't know when to tip my cap to somebody. I know when to run down the fairway and watch you know, the balls <laughs> land. But I don't know when to say things that are like actually golf appropriate. I can make you laugh on the golf course, but I can't actually like, I don't know what to say. I bet you would do great. And how old were you when you did this? Were you in high school? No, no. I was like uh, sixth or seventh grade. Graduated from being an umpire in sports leagues to what I thought was real cash as a caddy. That's amazing that you were doing that in sixth, seventh grade. No wonder we get along so well. It's my first job was when I was in like fifth grade. <laughs> you just got to start working. Um, I think, yeah, I think probably something that Winston brings up and we'll talk a little bit about is the fact that working with seniors in high school, it's a slightly awkward time, maybe a little bit less awkward than like your sophomore or junior year, but that you're really learning how to feel comfortable having those interactions by actually having those interactions with people on the course um, so that you feel more comfortable. And one of the key ways really to connect more authentically with others is to have a conversation, is to make small talk, is to listen in those small talk moments to little nuggets and tips and ways that you can connect more authentically with them, asking them questions. So those moments create, you know, the moments that time on the course creates the opportunity to have those kind of conversations. Totally. And, and a big deal is connecting and having those small conversations and interactions, not in the same physical location. Cause even though you're still on the golf course, but first you're on the, on the tee, then you're down by the green, then you're on another hole. Now you're in a golf court, then you're getting a sandwich. You suddenly, your brain sees this other person in all these different locations. And it, it makes this feeling of comfort and rapport build very, very quickly. 
Yeah, that's funny. I think we were talking a lot about this in the pandemic. We we're all on Zoom and nothing mm-hmm. happened, right? Nothing like really crazy happens on a Zoom call except like maybe a Zoom bomber, like your Zoom goes off. But then once we're back in the world, there's all these other things to talk about. You're like on, you know, you're on the train and then something happens. And and I think gets exactly a good point that it gives you things to talk about. And I think our first takeaway from Winston, which I loved, was really about feeling comfortable talking to new people, especially in a group. So this could even be in your workplace, Mm -hmm. right? You're used to, you sit next to somebody, you work with somebody, you know them all the time. How do you take yourself out of that situation with that person you're really comfortable with and sit next to somebody else? Start a new conversation. It's a great reminder. It's a fantastic reminder. And the anecdote from Winston of when the midnight golf students would come to, uh, each, each evening, they couldn't sit in the same seat. They always have to move around. So you don't build these kind of like channels of comfort that kind of lock you in. It forces you to wash over into, you know, a new uh, place of your brain to just say hi to somebody and saying hi to somebody in a safe space builds that muscle of just saying hi to somebody when you're not part of the same organization. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good reminder. I'm going to try to reach out talk to somebody else, sit next to somebody else on the bus, sit next to somebody else on the train, start up a conversation. But the second takeaway I also loved, which I feel like we've heard multiple times, is kind of that idea of it's not one plus one equals two. It's like one plus one equals 10 because the experience of um, this particular student that Winston was talking about having the opportunity to open her eyes to going to college for the first time, the first person in her family to go to college, then made it so that her nieces, other family members just expected they were going to go to college. So you think you're having this one-on-one mentoring relationship. You think you're impacting one person, but you're actually impacting an entire community of people. Wow. Big idea. Incredibly powerful. I mean, shout out Philander Smith, uh, the HBCU in Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, how would uh, that student of Midnight Golf, you know, uh, Winston referred to her as Auntie Tiffany, which I loved is like, she's kind of looking out over all of these students that continue to come through because it, it's such a powerful story that now the family as a whole says, oh yeah, this is something we do. We saw, you know, one of our own uh, do something new and different because she felt comfortable in a location because she was part of an organization that took her to a place that she might have not normally gone to. Part of that was being supported by a mentor along the way. And now the entire family says, oh, yeah, that's something that's approachable for me, too. That's within reach. Yeah. Yeah. And think of how many how many ways that happens in mentoring, whether it's like somebody mentoring entrepreneur right? Like all of a sudden somebody goes from not being an entrepreneur to being an entrepreneur, growing their business. All the other people that are touching that person's life then think like, oh, this is something that's an option for me. So many ways that shows up. So that was an awesome tip and a great reminder. And then the last one really comes back to our principle of resilience. Um, And I feel like this is the thing, obviously I don't know a lot about golf, but I feel like this is the thing a lot of people kind of struggle with it, right? Like they get frustrated with their game and then they don't come back. Do you think that's true? I was going to say uh, the greens fees are a reason not to come back. It's a little <laughs> expensive. But no, I I mean, it, people say that it's just, it's the most mental game. It's just you with like a funny looking stick that's got like right angles on it. And you're then hitting this little ball, you know, hundreds of yards away. And so it's literally just you against nature and uh, 
you know, there's, there's no one playing defense. Uh, the, the course doesn't grow and change that fast, uh, that it's, it's, it's affecting how you move. So my uncle would always talk about, you know, golf is, if you want to challenge yourself mentally, golf is the game because you will never hit whatever it is, 72 or like me, 115 shots perfectly as you make it around 18 holes. You are going to need to pick yourself up uh, from a bad shot. And right away, it's not like you have much of a break. 30 seconds, five minutes, it, it, you're, you're constantly m- moving from one to the next. Yeah. So it really is about resilience and um, sticking with it and also kind of overcoming your fear of failure, right? And like maybe... Especially if you're new to it, it's going to take time. It's going to take time for you to be able to get good at it. I feel like we're talking to ourselves. I think we need an Augmenters uh, golf tournament. The Augmenters golf tournament. How to not skull the ball, but use your skull to play better. (laughs) Oh, that's great branding, Jimmy. (laughs) I mean, there's only two of us, so we can't yell four. Um, but yeah, it's really about resilience and just like going back, trying again, learning from your mistakes, what didn't work, who do you need to talk to to help you? Do you need more lessons? Do you need to watch more YouTube videos, like staying resilient and getting to the place where you're able to have a really good connected time on the course. And it's about you because you might go and play golf or sit next to somebody new on, on the bus and that conversation might not go well. And we are here to tell you that, okay, maybe one out of 10, one out of five might not go great, but the other four, the other nine conversations are going to be wonderful. And you never know who you're going to be matched up with and who you're going to be able to speak to. And I think that also comes back to the anecdote that Winston shared um, of uh, Auntie Tiffany and that her mentor happened to be the director of admissions at Michigan State. I mean, you know, if you didn't show up to this and get connected to an organization where people are looking to help you, you might not have such a wonderful, experienced, talented mentor. I mean, what what a beautiful way to set yourself up for success in various goals you might have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just oh, I just love the dedication Winston has, how much he gets out of his job. You know, he people always thank him. But it's, he's like, no, no, really, like the gift is mine being part of this organization. And Miss Renee is a hoot. She did not want to be on the podcast. So that's why she sent Winston. Um, but shout out Miss Renee for creating this incredible organization, this opportunity for so many of um, these amazing kids to get a chance to uh, learn life skills and learn golf and uh, teach us. For real. Yeah, we learned a lot. Winston was awesome. I, I look forward to seeing him on a course sooner than later. <laughs> I'll carry his bag. I'll cheer him on. <laughs> Augmenters out. Wow, you've made it this far, and we thank you. Hopefully, you enjoyed our episode and discovered new ways to bring more authentic connection into your mentoring relationships. Want to tell them more, Jimmy? Be an Augmenter with us. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about. Like and subscribe. And yes, really, you following our show and writing a review, it's a big deal. Your actions provide us with the resources to continue our undefeated, unencumbered, prize-winning productions. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us, or on social with our handle at augmentershq. We are most active and available on LinkedIn and YouTube. 
Shout out and earnest thank you to our intrepid producer, Erlen Cato. We appreciate you. Augmenters out. See ya.